Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. What is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. In third grade, my teacher, Mrs. Beerman, absolutely made learning come alive for me. You see, she loved, she was so passionate about dinosaurs. And that passion transferred to me and the rest of her students that year. I think it was 1987 in third grade. And to every single class she taught before and after us. There's something special when you love the content that you teach. That's a gift for your students. And what she did was she created a memorable experience for us. The culminating event was our authentic learning experience when we traveled from our grade school in Palatine, Illinois, to the city of Chicago, visited the Field Museum, and saw Sue, the T-Rex, towering above us and the rest of the dinosaurs. You know, I talked about that story and how Mrs. B taught me that love of learning in my book, The Better Leaders, Better Schools Roadmap. If you haven't checked it out yet, please pick that up in Amazon. And I tell you that story because today's guest is all about creating memorable learning experiences. You'll hear that story first during our conversation. So Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, I'd like to take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non-cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX, who believes that the more students talk and are engaged in class, the more they succeed in school. Learn more at teachfx.com. Well, hey there, Better Leaders. I'm joined today uh, with one of my new friends, David Domena, and he's awesome. We've connected a lot on social media, done some free lunch Friday stuff. Uh, I've gotten to personally do some powerful deep coaching about a secret project. We're not going to reveal it on this episode. It's, it's, pre- it's in the planning stage. So that would be premature. But uh, just to say, you know, this guy's awesome and I'm really happy to connect with him today. Well, David's a fourth-year elementary teacher in Southern California who currently is enjoying the transition year challenge of third grade. He recently switched schools and districts to teach at the same school site as his kids. David has a unique perspective on education coming to it as a second career after managing retail warehouses for 12 years. He is passionate about teaching the whole student, establishing meaningful relationships with students, and creating memorable experiences for them. He also strives to empower leaders on campus by challenging students to carry out tasks and responsibilities that have been modeled for them. David is known for his honesty, enthusiasm, and strategically speaking his mind while constantly being driven by improvement, both professionally and personally. His wife, Angela, is becoming more involved on campus, creating a true family atmosphere in their service of students and staff. David's son, Caleb, 11, attends the Medically Fragile program as a student with cerebral palsy, and his daughter, Leela, 7, is a first-grade student. David enjoys movie-watching, reading, 
being present with his family, serving others, and carrying out anonymous random acts of kindness. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Danny. Thanks so much for having me, man. I'm pumped up to be here. Thank you. I should have asked in the pre-chat. I, I asked about your last name, but I didn't ask about your daughter's name. Did I pronounce it right? No worries. Layla. But no worries. Dang it. All right. Great. Layla. <laughs> I have to so correct it. Listeners, it's Layla. And she's the first grade student. So sorry for uh, that little goof there. No worries. Well, hey, in, in the bio, a couple of things that popped out to me was this idea of creating memorable experiences for your students. And I think that's powerful, a great way to approach um, the learning experience for our students. So what are, what are some of those things that you've done, uh, yeah, within your classroom? And, and you see, we're already off script. So this, this is how we roll, David. Yeah, exactly. We talked about which one we're gonna, what was important, and then here we go. Um, <laughs> no worries. This is awesome. So my first, the first day of school this year, uh, I was trying to frame everything with my students about they have to earn it. Uh, nothing was going to be given, no entitlement in class. So right after we did the morning announcements, first day of school, they're, they're barely seeing me 30 seconds in. I took them all to the, we have a volleyball court on campus and I took them out there. We didn't even go into the classroom and uh, we did the cookie challenge where you put that cookie on your face and you try to make it to your mouth without touching it. <laughs> and I told him, you know, this is all about trying things yeah. and making sure you're not worried about, you know, people walking by and looking at you funny or um, wondering what in the heck we're doing over there. You know, just trying something and being open, open-minded and re- willing to have that grit to, to try something out. And that's how, you, that's how you earned a ticket in my door. You don't have, have to actually get the cookie in your mouth, but uh, you have to try it to earn your way into the classroom. So since then, we're off and running. Everything is earned this year. And we break it down into baby steps throughout the whole year for them to, to get going. Yeah, yeah. So you set the tone. So I love that because, you know, as you as a classroom leader, you're setting the tone just through an activity, but the, the principals, assistant principals that listen can do the same thing with their staff. You have to choose, you know, what kind of tone you're trying to set, what activity that's going to be. But I loved how you did that with your, with your students. Uh, the other thing that I want listeners to really catch was you break it down into small steps. And I, I've invested recently in this uh, course called Exponential Coaching because I have that clarity. You know, I want to create content for school leaders, which is what we're doing now. Uh, I want to coach school leaders is my second thing for Zone of Genius. And, and that's um, through Mastermind and one-on-one and then those free lunch Fridays I do. And then thirdly, I want to connect and build community uh, for school leaders just because I see that it's so much easier and so much more satisfying to be on this leadership journey with a, with a tribe of people you can trust that will push you to be your best. But within all that, in that exponential coaching course that I'm in, it's about what is that next tiny step you need to take. Because as leaders, as you, uh, you know, with that secret project you're working on, all that kind of stuff seems overwhelming at times. But if you break it down into a a small next step, that is absolutely achievable. And you can do that. So I love how you approach your students in in a similar way. Yeah. And I'm super impressed with, they've they've kind of taken that since we started so early in the year. And this group is really awesome about, um, they'll, they'll call it out and they'll call each other out on it. No, we haven't earned that yet. Oh, we'll have to earn that still. So they've been working all year just knowing that, you know, nothing's being given this year. We got to earn it. Mm, I love that. And also from the bio, I'm going to have to ask you about this uh, anonymous acts of kindness. Where's that coming from? Was there an experience uh, like from your, your parents or I don't know. I'm just curious. Why anonymous acts of kindness? Yeah, uh, I just feel like it's much more powerful and much more rewarding when uh they don't know where it's coming from. It's cool to do things for people, um, but you might not 
necessarily be able to see the payoff if you do if you do something nice for someone. So I get a kick out of leaving a note in someone's box or um, just putting a taping it to their door, you know, when they're not around, and then yeah. seeing how later they send out a mass email. Oh, thank you so much for the note that I received, and whoever gave it to me. You never have to take ownership of that, you know. That's your reward right there. So um, mm. just being anonymous and kind of sneaky about it, but to me, it gives me a better, bigger sense of satisfaction when they're not quite sure where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. What would be the wildest thing you've done as an anonymous act of kindness? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, we have a kindness club on school. Um, so every every Monday at lunchtime, they meet in my room and uh, it's upper grade students, third, fourth and fifth grade students. So we're able to get bigger footprint out with more help. You know, we have 18 or 20 students coming in and, and helping out. But um, it, it's especially with the the support staff, like the custodians or the lunch ladies where they really don't expect that, you know, coming to them on a, on a random Monday and we'll run by with cookies or candy or a note, um, a little card saying that we appreciate them, stuff like that. And, and they have no idea that it's coming. We hit them with that on a Monday and kind of makes their week, I guess. So powerful because, you know, what, what you shared there too is the fact that you're not overlooking people. And so often, you know, as, as a principal, you see the teachers, you might even forget about the counselors Definitely in the main office staff, you're talking about custodians and in the cafeteria. I'll tell you one of the uh, epiphanies I had as a young school leader, uh, I want all my people to understand where we're going, the vision, understand the core values, you know, how we operate, what makes us special, and, and to invite people to make their greatest contribution to the organization. So I started regularly meeting with main office and, and meeting with the caf- cafeteria workers and uh, custodians, you know, I'd have a uh, coffee with them later in the evening and some snacks. They would, they, it's almost like they had a, uh, a potluck every, every night or something like that. It, they, they had great connection. It was a family like environment, but I was surprised David that they said I was the first principal in the school history to ever meet with them. And that was each group, main office, cafeteria, custodians. So I want all the listeners right now just to, to, you know, silently, gently reflect. And if you need a nudge, definitely meet meet, um, with those people regularly. Here's why. They're important. They're human beings, number one. You're in charge, number two, of their development as well. But number three, you have no idea what they can bring to the school that's so much more than just serving up food, sweeping floors, or uh, greeting people in in a warm environment in the main office. And when you say, I see the talents that you have, and here's where we're going where do you think you could plug in? Really amazing things happen. I've, I've seen it as a, a, you know, first response. So just want the listeners to take that away for sure. Yeah. I think elevating, like you said, that, that comfort level that they have, we had a librarian once and she was very timid, very unsure mm-hmm. of herself at the beginning of the year. But once we gave her, we gave her some support in running some of the events she was in charge of, she was just going to cancel all of it. Like we're clearing the board. We're not doing any of that. But we told her, well, hold on, let's, we can help you out with that. Um, mm-hmm. Once she got a little more comfortable, then she was off and running. She started coming up with her own ideas and, and really pushing forward and getting other things out there on the campus. So mm-hmm. that comfort level is huge. Yeah, yeah. And I just shared a second ago, you know, what I think my zone of genius is and kind of my why and the three ways that I want to help. Uh, but this show is about you. This is the <laughs> David Domana show. So tell the listeners, you know, what is your why? Um, my why is just getting that those rewards beyond a paycheck. So not necessarily 
you know, wait until the, the first day of the month to get that paycheck. Oh, yes, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing this for. Um, yeah. seeing, seeing the students grasp new concepts, obviously, that's huge. Or instilling academic confidence in students that they've never really been told that they can do things. And they're, mm-hmm. they're in the third grade, you know, that's the fourth year of schooling. And, and they don't even want to celebrate themselves. I got a little guy this year. He improved on a test. And it wasn't a huge jump. It was, you know, eight or ten points. But he started, you know, smiling, getting full of himself, and he caught himself, and he turned it off. He turned his smile off immediately. So we had to stop and wait. You can, you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to celebrate yourself. You know, this is a good improvement, and that's what we're focusing on: is always moving up a little bit, improving, even if it's a tiny bit. So getting them to know that they can do things in the school setting, turning around someone's day, or witnessing that student growth. Or even getting, you know, Adam Welcome and Todd Nisloni term, that alien look from the other staff, the other teachers, when they look at you like, why are you doing this, man? Why are you doing all this extra stuff? Um, yeah. I get a kick out of that, too, because it's it's showing me right there that I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way they say, not, not that those people are haters, but they are asking questions. I think when you do get that pushback or people start to notice, you get the questions or you do get haters, that means that you're actually doing something that's... Uh, worthy of being talked about, right? It's making some type of impact. It's not the status quo or just the regular run of the mill, how we do things. And so people are thinking and talking. So you're pushing them. And I appreciate that about you. Yeah, it's great to see. Yeah. So, we're, you know, I've already buttered you up a bit and talked about <laughs> a lot of your uh, positive qualities, but you know, I like talking about leadership mistakes too. So I'm curious, what, what would you consider your, your biggest leadership mistake and, and what'd you learn from it? Uh, my personally, my biggest leadership mistake was back when I was in warehousing, back as a as a manager of a warehouse, and uh, I didn't see it coming. But they were mm. they were kind of setting up my exit uh, with the wool over my eyes, kind of. And while they were doing this, uh, this is how how blind I was to it. I was actually going into their office and asking for a raise. So wow. that's how you know I was just clueless about it. And and obviously, I'm not getting a raise, but. Within a couple of months, I was on my way out. So um, mm-hmm. not preparing my team for that as well. You know, I had a team of probably eight or 10 guys that were working at a separate warehouse and I didn't prepare them for that well at all. So that's a mm-hmm. big failure on my part, you know, having to go to them and tell them, well, this is it, guys. We're, we're done here and not having them able to make an exit plan or kind of set up themselves for success after that part. And then that, that one stuck with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know in the pre-chat, we talked about why ownerships of uh, mistakes, you know, that is really important. And, and can you expand on that a bit? Yeah. Um, and I don't even know if it's an actual term, but uh, I guess maybe I'm trying to start it. But <laughs> Yeah, call- start it off. <laughs> we could get a hashtag going or something. I call it the infallible fallacy. Okay. So where people aren't even aware that they um, they don't even want to take ownership of their mistakes. They're, they're so afraid of admitting that they're wrong for anything. And I see this in, in students, you know, obviously third graders, they don't want to, they don't want to seem like they don't know the answer or they don't want to seem mm-hmm. like they made a mistake, even uh, as much as we try to push that in my classroom, knowing that you're going to fail sometimes, but even staff or, in, you know, people out on the street society in general, just own that you made a mistake, you know, and learn from it, move on. There's not enough of that out there. People are they'd rather spend most of their time fighting to admit that they're wrong than learning from it. So, and even in, in education, you see teachers who all day long, they're telling kids to focus and to courageously participate and to uh, stay on task. And then you get them in a staff meeting and those are the same ones that are, you know, on their phones or 
they won't say anything for hours at a time because they don't want to put themselves out there. So, um, mm-hmm. just being a little more open-minded to owning your mistakes and learning from it. It's, it's really not that big a deal if we're learning, uh, mm-hmm. you don't have to freak out too much about making a mistake. Right. Have you, have you been able to successfully get some of those kids to transition to, uh, taking risks and owning those mistakes? Yeah, we, um, I mean, we do a lot of funky stuff in my class. So we're doing call and responses all day long. We're, we're up and out of our chairs. We're moving around and um, we're presenting to each other. So uh, yeah. when we make mistakes, they know that it's okay when someone gets stuck, they can ask for help. Also, if someone makes a mistake, um, the other, the audience can call out, you're still cool, just to kind of give, build them up a little bit, give some more confidence and get them going back on the right track. Because, you know, when you're talking to 20 other kids, it, it can be overwhelming. And mm-hmm. When I'm talking to 20 kids, sometimes it's overwhelming. So I can't imagine for <laughs> an eight, eight or nine-year-old, you know. So yeah, we right. use that a lot. You're still cool. And then they just keep on moving. That's great. You know, that's that message they hear. And it gives them permission to, I guess, pick themselves back up and persevere, you know, through that challenging time. Yeah, for sure. Because we're not sitting down until you got it. So we need to <laughs> keep going. <laughs> nice. Great. Uh, routines and rituals wise, uh, is there anything that, that really helps you out to have a, a successful and impactful day? Um, well, I'm up before, before my house, you know, I, I need to wake up right. before my wife and daughter and son get up. So, cause once they're up, uh, I'm with them and helping them get ready for the day. So I try to wake up earlier than them and get some kind of a workout in some kind of movement, stretching, running. Um, I call it a daddy workout where I just do some pushups, you know, around the house and do some dips or something on on the side of the bathtub, things like that. But um, just getting up and and moving around and then actually starting my day off with what I took from your book, you know, Better Leaders, Better Schools, the roadmap, a little plug for you there. Um, (laughs) Page 37, if you want to look at it, I know everybody- Available on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I know all the listeners have their copies. So go right to page 37. It talks about uh, intentionality with with your time. Um, And I try to keep that in mind. You know, what can I, if I'm doing a certain task and I, and I know it's not the most productive use of my time, we have those, those moments, but what else can I be doing with that time? Um, Mm -hmm. being proactive with my time. I know I have other things to do. It's still going to be there when I'm done, you know, scrolling through Instagram or, or Twitter. So I might as well get up and get it done right then. So just being a little more intentional with my time and using it to the, to the most productive state, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that intentionality is crucial. And I think, you know, one of the uh, biggest values I bring some, some of my uh, leadership, you know, people I coach, uh, we talk about that ideal week, you know, and the intentionality within the time. Uh, and people always find so much value there. I could talk, you know, about Susan. We had a, we had a call today, you know, strategy session. And just a couple little tweaks bought back four hours for the week, right? It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're, when you're leading a whole building, and you don't have a, an assistant principal, it's all you as the administrator, that's, you know, that's almost like a full day. And, you know, when we talked about what could you get done there, the potential, the opportunity, the possibility uh, was quite exciting. The other quick thing I want to say to the listeners as well, I had a, a show that I did with Alexander Lowry, and he leads a, a business school at Gordon, Edu- uh, Gordon University. And uh, one thing I took away from that show that still sticks you know, where do I need to be perfect and where can I give 70 to 80% effort, you know? And that's really important um, to think about because a lot of us get to these leadership roles uh, because they've been so successful. They're such hard workers, sometimes, you know, struggle with perfectionism. 
And even if they see uh, an activity that has little value, they still want to do it the best. Even if they're spending a ton of time on it too, and, and they know that it offers the organization low value. So that would be something exactly, you could apply that 70 to 80% done, buy back those four hours and go all in on the things that you know will really move the needle organizationally. Right. Yeah. Just knowing what, what you can plug in on. And I was, I have a terrible memory. So I have three or four get to's that I have in my head. I, I don't call them have to's cause you get to do things, but uh, yeah, I try yeah. to have those in my head throughout the day. And, and if I get those things accomplished then I feel like I had a pretty good day and it could be mundane tasks, you know, like, Oh, I got to schedule this doctor's appointment or mm. um, something personal. Like I, I'm going to play Barbies with my daughter after work today, you know, something like that. And, and get it mm. done. I feel good about my day getting those three or four things done. Where'd you learn that? That language piece is so powerful. I learned that from Michael Hyatt. Uh, he has a podcast and a number of books where it's, I have the privilege I get to, as opposed to I have to, or I'm being forced to. Where'd you learn that? Mostly that's coming from my son, uh, where he has mm. cerebral palsy and he's, he's not able to do a lot of things. So mm-hmm. it's a constant reminder to, you know, adjust my perspective and if I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is not want to go for a run. You know, it's it's cold outside. It's dark. I'm tired. Uh, I'd rather just sit around and drink a cup of coffee and get ready for the day. But it's easy to look at him and say, well, I get to do this. You know, I don't have to do this. He, he doesn't get to do these things. So it's a, a quick realignment of my perspective and gets me going. Mm, that's Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. Has he taught you any other leadership lessons lately? Um. Well, you know, I've been bringing him around my class a lot more the last two years. Mm-hmm. We're all, we're on the same campus now. And uh, just getting those kids to be exposed to people with special needs or um, mm-hmm. with disabilities. And to I, I tell them all the time, it's okay to stare. You know, we stare at things that are different. But ask a question, too. You know, don't just stare for the sake of staring. Ask the question and see what's going on. Ask him how he's doing today. And he's nonverbal, so he's not going to respond to you like you normally expect. But he will give you something, you know, a smile or a facial expression. Or if you can get him to turn his head and look at you, that's kind of big time. So a lot of my wow. students now are, are pushing for that. You know, hi, Caleb. And they say bye to him. And I take mm-hmm. a group of students on Fridays at lunchtime um, to go read to his class. We we go read books to his class and they enjoy that. So it's cool to see kids that are eight, nine, 10 years old, willingly give up their lunchtime with their friends to go read books to a class of medically fragile students. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty powerful to see that. Why do you think they're doing that? I'm not sure to be honest. You know, the first couple of weeks we had a mix of boys and girls and the boys have kind of fallen off. Um, the girls have stuck with it and they're, they're, They'll they'll come bug me on a Wednesday. We're going on Friday still, right? You know, so they're already they're bought in pretty strongly to that. Um, or if I'm not there on a Friday, then they'll ask if they can still go, and I'll send them with a different teacher. So I feel like they they've really taken ownership of it, and they feel uh, like we talked about earlier with the random acts of kindness. You know, you feel that um, you get the benefit; it comes back to you without without a paycheck or without a reward. You know, I'm not giving these kids candy to go do it; they're just doing it for their personal kind of ownership of that, that task every week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing that, that story, David. Well, let's pause here for just a moment for a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. 40 years of research shows that student talk leads directly to student learning, but teachers currently talk 70 to 80% of class time. 
TeachFX is changing that with a Fitbit for teachers that measures student engagement and gives teachers automated feedback on their talk ratio, questioning technique, wait time, lesson design, and more. All from the microphone of their smart device. Get a free two-week trial by downloading the app at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. All right, and we're back with David Domena, and we're talking his why. We're talking about, you know, the power of owning our mistakes, and, and most recently, too, uh, some of the things that his son Caleb has taught him about leadership, and then how he's gotten these kids um, in his classroom to go give up their lunchtime to go read to kids in a, in a special needs class. And we're trying to figure out why. Why will the kids say yes? And I just want to encourage you right now here, David, that you know I'd like to suggest that that there's a leader in the classroom with a big heart that's teaching them, right? That's that's instilling the importance of all human beings, you know, into these uh, little kids and they're open and receptive to that. And because of the value of the relationships you've built with your students, uh, they want to do these, these big and important things. So that's just a shout out and a kudos to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, we work hard on making relationships and building those up, um, getting their, their pockets and their seats, you know? So I care mm-hmm. a lot about my attendance. I care a lot about my students there because if they're not there, then we're not able to go over these things. But yeah, it's a it's a process, and they are they are taking it on. So it's cool to see. It is, uh, David. What's uh, one book, a video, tool, or resource that's really impacted your your quality of life in the last few months? Uh, definitely whole brain teaching. I do a lot of whole brain teaching in my classroom, and uh, they have their website wholebrainteaching.com, and everything on there is free. So it's it's the right price point for educators. <laughs> but it's it's just a way of building up character education in class. I don't really call it classroom management anymore, especially since I've encountered your podcast and your book. I like to call it classroom leadership because, you know, there's Mm. a big difference between management and leadership. So anyone out there struggling with with classroom leadership, definitely take a look at their website, their books, um, whole brain teaching for challenging kids. It gives you so many different strategies that you can use. And they don't just affect the kids that, you know, the rascals, like we call them, that you're struggling with. (laughs) They, uh, They affect the whole class. So that's been huge. I'm lucky enough that the the founders of Whole Brain Teaching, Chris Biffle, Chris Rexted, they're in the town next door, Yucaipa, California. So um, I'm able to meet with them weekly. We have a quick one hour weekly meeting and talk about yeah. how things are going. Uh, Biffle's like, he's an innovator. So he's always rolling out new, exciting strategies. And I try them right. out in my classroom. And it's crazy because they all seem to work and they don't work like, like we talked earlier, baby steps. These are like home runs out of the park. And the guy never taught elementary school. He was a college professor. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's cool to see everything I've tried has, has worked out really well. And um, like I said, there's seminars and coming up and everything's free. Whole brain teaching. So we'll, we'll link up their website uh, in the show notes, but give a real practical example of something that's been a home run for you. Um, so the character education piece we talk about every day of the week, we have a different virtue. Um, so Monday is like glorious kindness and Tuesday there's invincible grit, courage, leadership, creativity on Fridays. And uh, my, 
my group this year, like I said, they're, they're really strong overall. And they'll remind me, Hey, someone showed me glorious kindness because I didn't have a, a dry erase marker. And they walked yeah. across the whole room to get, to let me borrow theirs. They were already done with their work. And, uh, so we have a little give and take there and I'll tell them, well, I'm sorry, but you know, today's not Monday and we're not allowed to do glorious kindness if it's not a Monday. And they'll all disagree with me. No, <laughs> you do it every day. You do it every day. So, um, they, they're able to recognize the different virtues and call them out and, and help yeah. build each other up. It's cool. It's amazing. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, if you could put a message on, on the school marquee across the globe um, for just a day, what would that message read? Um, this is a call out we do in class too, a call and response. Because uh, kids will say, you know, this is really hard. And I'll, I'll kind of ask them, wait, what'd you say? It's hard? Yeah. And I'll say, great. That's perfect. You know, if it was easy, it would be second grade stuff. So I'll say, let's struggle. And they have to respond, let's learn. So anytime I yell out, let's struggle, they, they yell back at me, let's learn. And then we're back off on the learning train and we keep yeah. it going. So if we can put that yeah. up on a marquee and that's for everyone, you know, if we struggle mm-hmm. a little bit. That's okay. That's how we're going to learn. So yeah, let's struggle. Yeah. So I think I want to say whole brain teaching. Was this called power teaching a long time ago? Or, or is this where I, is Biffle the guy that would say class and they respond? Yes. Is that? That's that. exactly what it is. Yep. So that's why we're connected. I know it. Because we're if we're crazy enough to see something like that and say, you know what? I want to teach that way and it's going to work because so many people won't. So here's here's my quick anecdote. I had uh, some colleagues, right? Definitely from the traditional cloth. I wanted to blow their mind. I said, come here, come here. <laughs> check this out. And I go, uh, I go, kids, you got homework today. And they, they had to, I, I trained them, right? They would blow me kisses and say, thank you, Mr. Bauer. Thank you. And I said, you have homework today. And they'd just be so excited. And these teachers' jaws just drop to the ground, right? But homework can be fun if it's meaningful, if it's interesting. You know, and I'm not talking about busy work and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, when I was doing whole brain teaching as a classroom educator, what I loved about it is that it's so kinesthetic and so connected. You are out of your seats all the time. Another quick example too, you know, we would act out all the vocabulary words and my, my special needs students who historically, even with accommodations would struggle on vocab assessments, even with um, higher level, not just application type answers, right? But really higher level stuff. They started all getting A's on it. And the only difference was that we started acting out and having a lot of fun with teaching vocabulary. Right. Yeah, all the movements and the gestures. I mean, everything's tied into a gesture in mm-hmm. the classroom, you know, um, capital letters, end marks. It's improving their writing just because you'll see a kid. We're supposed to be, you know, answering a prompt like a would you rather. And they're there doing the capital letter gesture and the brainies that they call them to, uh, to help with the writing and, and direct their writing. So it's powerful stuff. And it, like I said, if, if something I tried didn't work, then I would... I would kind of be skeptical, but it's like everything I try and every new thing he rolls out is a home run. So it's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you do the scoreboard too? Yeah, we do. All, we do it all. I mean, <laughs> I've had some, uh, that I've thing's had, rigged though. Don't tell the kids. The kids don't listen. <laughs> yeah. I can't let the kids listen to it. It's always rigged. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're wondering how, how did we end up with, it was within two points again today. How'd that happen? You know, it was a nail biter again <laughs> for the 111th day in a row. We had a nail biter. That's incredible. Yeah. So. Um, right. yeah, I've had some teachers come into my class and ask me for some tips and then I get rolling on it and I'm telling them, yeah, we have the scoreboard, we have the super approval, all we have all these things. And, and they're just like blown away. Their, their eyes kind of glaze over and I'm like, okay, sorry, you know, I'm doing extra. So let me just start you with the basics, at least get the scoreboard right. going. That's super powerful. 
just a whole class motivational tool. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, David, you've been a great guest. You made it to the uh, last question, which you, you knew this one was coming. <laughs> you're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. The only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school and what would be your top three priorities? Well, yeah, like you said, I knew this was coming. I've heard so many incredible answers from your previous guests and it blows my mind what they come up with. Um, they're talking about where they would put it and, you know, the structure of it. So yeah. I, I'm not sure if I know all that yet, but I would market as it as a leadership academy. We'd focus on, you know, foundational character education skills, leadership, service, kindness, um, and academics would emerge from teacher passion. So they wouldn't be forced into what they had to teach, but they'd have a little more freedom in what they wanted to teach. Because when you're passionate about something, you're going to do a better job teaching it. You know a lot about it. And then the three priorities I would have would be enthusiastic educators. I believe enthusiasm is huge. You know, making sure that you're saying hi to kids in the hallway, making sure kids want to be there. They know your name. Um, I would have a flexible curriculum like we already spoke about. And the biggest thing would be a huge, massive budget just so we could pay the, overpay these teachers uh, as much as we can and, and get the, the materials that the kids need to really have impactful learning. Awesome. Well, David, thanks so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Do you have any parting words of advice and what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, just parting words. The note I wrote down was know thyself. Just you know, be aware of who you are and know who you are and know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And uh, build on each of those every day. Attack your strengths just as much as you attack your weaknesses to help yourself improve. Um, even if it's... Uh, if you're there and you're just holding on for retirement as a teacher, as an educator, go find something else to do. If it's district level or admin or somewhere else that you could be, don't affect that many students every year um, just because you're kind of checked out and you can't connect with these kids anymore. And uh, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. I bug a lot of people about that. But uh, the best way to get a hold of me, Instagram, I'm Mr. D Elementary. And if you want to shoot me an email, Mr. D Elementary at gmail.com. Thanks again, uh, David, for being my guest. Thank you, Dan. It was awesome. All right, Better Leaders, just a few more things before you take off. I created a new resource for you called The Three Leadership Questions I Ask Every Day. You can download the resource by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This helps me in a few ways. It gives the show some social proof. It encourages new people to listen to the show, and it improves the ranking of the show and therefore helps me serve more school leaders. If you want extra credit and some good vibes, share your biggest takeaway from the show and tag me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Alien Earbud, an anagram for my name, Daniel Bauer. And make sure to use the hashtag BLBS. This Sunday is the weekend resource. Join over 3,000 school leaders that get this resource delivered every week. In the weekend resource, I share content curated specifically for school leaders. You'll get articles, videos, templates, and exercises, coaching tips, inspirational quotes, invitations to free Friday group coaching, which is an exclusive offer made available only to newsletter subscribers in the Better Leaders, Better Schools tribe, and links to all the content I created for you this past week. You can subscribe at betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. And remember, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. Go out there today and be a better leader.